Hello and welcome to our fireside chat around leadership and empowerment, focusing today on culture. My name is Natasha Bradley and I'm very pleased and excited to be joined by Ginny Holden. Ginny, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Ginny Holden. Um, I have a huge long background in working in culture and specifically um, with organisations who want to look at how they change and transform those cultures. And it's a pleasure to be with you here today, Natasha, because as you know, this is one of my favourite topics. Yes, I'm excited too. Well, I suppose Ginny, that leads us into culture um, and what a large topic it is and how to many people it seems scary so can you just describe what culture means in terms of leadership and empowerment um i'd like to say one thing first actually which is look at culture so it's not scary right so culture yeah. isn't scary actually um like we're predisposed to learn a language we are predisposed to learn cultures And there's a really powerful reason for that. It's because it's one of those um, almost programs we have in our head or foundational programs we have in our head, which allows us to understand how to interact. Now, if you think the fact that language is only 200,000 years old, and yet we're predisposed to learn a language, you put any small child into, to grow up anywhere, they learn language. In fact, if there's more than one language, they learn more than one language. Interestingly, we also learn culture. We learn the ways of doing things with other people around us. And uh, there's a huge amount of work now which shows that this is actually a predisposition because like you will find small children learn languages, if you take a small child and put them in more than one culture. So for example, my background, neither of my parents are English. Um, I grew up in England with both of my grandparents um, being in England. And every single culture was really different. One was Czech, um, then the one we had at home was a mixture of two. And then when I went out to school, there was another set of rules. And for me, it became so obvious that wherever you went, the rules changed. So much so that I did ask my grandma one day, um, right, I understand the rules are different, grandma, but can I have, can you show me the button so I can switch languages faster? Um, And she used to tell this is a dinner party story for an incredibly long time. So culture is just a set of rules. If you've only ever worked and functioned in one type of culture, you will only ever understand that one. And they become subconscious. Like, you know, we've all learned to drive, and yet no one thinks about how they drive anymore. It's an unconscious programmed behaviour. But because we've learned it in our lifetime, we have the ability to impact and change it, which is one of the most powerful things I think we can give anyone is the fact that all those things you think you ought to do or you've had to behave like, you don't have to. I'm not saying it's easy to change, but it is possible to do that. Um, And then you've asked me about sort of leadership and empowerment. So Within the culture we we live in today, and I'm not just purely talking about business cultures, because culture works on many levels. You know, you'll have a family culture, a town culture, a country culture. We've got some global cultures. Um, For example, the impact of the American cinema on how people think about how schools work. Everyone believes that um, when you're actually in a, a high school, 
then there are always groups and all of those groups are all the same you know we've got the sports we've got the intellectuals we've got the emos and this a lot of this comes from the american cinema culture so we have global cultures but the one we have pervasive in business is actually quite toxic and it's not only pervasive in business it's pervasive in quite a few countries which is the top is always right trust power and truth the three foundations are held at the top so and it's toxic for a number of reasons it's toxic for the leader to have to be always right and feel that they need to be always right it's also toxic for the group of people because if trust power and truth and knowledge is only held at the top we, you can't empower people and they don't know how to be empowered because they're expecting you always have the right answer or the leader above them always have the right answer so it, it knocks on to hugely how people then collaborate because they think well knowledge is power to me because I, I'm here, so I must be at the top, so knowledge is power to me. And the next person thinks knowledge is power to me, which is so fundamentally wrong and toxic when you start to look at um, collaboration. Because if knowledge is power to me, why on earth would I ever share anything? Because I'm giving away my power in this particular cultural structure. It also has an I keep using the word toxic, but I do actually believe it is because it has this really awful effect on how people then treat people in power. So not just you yourself, but how you treat people in power. Um, I'm going to use COVID as an example, because we expected the government to have the right answer for something it had never done in an area it didn't know what it was doing and in an environment that had never been faced before. And people got incredibly angry when the government didn't exactly didn't make great decisions but if you stand back and think about that how could they right they believe they should be able to because they've been taught that if they're at the top the top's right it must be right therefore i am going to make this decision instead of going actually you know what we've never done this before i'm really not sure what is the best answer but we'll go with this today yeah. so um the prime minister of new zealand handled hers completely differently because she did she integrated so much more with the people and understood more so this is this is this really interesting thing about leadership is we all blame our leaders and say right if i i'm stop you you know it's all your problem and yet what we don't understand is how um that also feels for the leader at the top so it impacts so if we do that if we hold transparent truth at the top and we expect those people above us to know everything and be right we can't be collaborative and we always see knowledge as power to us, not knowledge to power to everyone. And therefore, we take no responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. And, when and I think, sorry. sorry, I think what I think what you were saying there is so culture is really just a set of rules. So it's it's, it's not scary. And also I picked up on what you said is leaders are human just because they're above you, in, you know, in a hierarchical structure. They're just human and they do make mistakes and they don't know the right answers. Yes, but it's they feel that they ought to be right because yeah. they've been taught the rule is I should be right. Mm -hmm. And you expect them to be right. Yeah. Um, and when we've all had the situation where um, an organisation and the leadership basically say black's white. Right. Yeah. We know as individuals that's not the case. But given it put on the spot and, ask, and challenge, you'll say black's white. 
So that I'm, I'm only using those as colours, not as um, an, anything pejorative. Okay, but it really is that situation. The thing is, you know, but because you've almost handed over responsibility to someone else, you don't do that. So leadership and empowerment go hand in hand. But it's leadership. Culture has to evolve for leadership to be able to empower people. So that means leaders have to think about what they do differently, and people have to change differently. Um, yeah. And we have to value fundamentally different things. So I suppose, in your opinion, then, I think you may have answered this, but I'm going to ask you it anyway, just to, just to be clear then. So in your opinion, do, do you think having the right culture dictates how well a leader can lead? Yes. But what I'm trying to say is it's not just their fault, OK? Leaders yeah. go around firmly thinking the whole world's their fault or I've got to do this and I... And actually, no, it's the fact that they're responding to a programme they've been taught about leadership and the organisation itself is responding to another programme that it's learned about leadership. As such, that's a cultural challenge. It's yeah. not a challenge about leadership, it's a challenge about culture. Change your culture, leadership will fundamentally change. Leaders are responsible because everyone thinks they're right for driving that change, because at the moment, if you're sitting within that system, if the leadership don't change, the organization's not going to change. No. And what I think is always interesting about working with any organization is everyone at the top thinks everyone else has to change. And they go, <laughs> apart from themselves. Apart from themselves. And actually, yeah. because they need to be right. And it's not, mm -hmm. and they need to be able to stand back and go, actually, okay, I am part of a system that has been programmed. If I accept my part in that programming, I can understand how to um, liberate myself and liberate other people. Yeah, interesting. Very, very, very interesting. So what advice would you give to leaders, you know, to, to enable them to empower their people more or better? It starts with you. Individuals who lead have to understand why they're leading in the way they are, mm -hmm. where that actually comes from, when they learn to do it. And then they need to stand back from that and go, OK, if my style is reflective of a very particular cultural model I have learned. And let's be fair, some of these cultural models have been around for 150 years, which is nothing, let me point out, in the 7.5 million years hominids have been around. But yeah. it's all it's all we know. And it's how it's actually been handed on. If you look at a lot of business texts, if you look at a lot of business research, which have purely been done in business, all it's ever done to say what's a high performing team and what's the best this um, is look at how business teams perform. But if those teams are culturally in a patriarchal hierarchy where trust, power and truth are held at the top, you're always going to get that model repeated. Yeah. They never stand back and look at it. Or they look at sports teams, which is a game. Depending which sports you look at, there's an individual hero. Yeah. And therefore, these models are per perpetuated. But what we need to do is stand back from that and go, where does this come from? Why do I feel I need to behave like that? And I know it makes me feel empowered, but is that really empowerment for me and other people? Because yeah. in the end, being human, no one person has a monopoly on the right answer. No. And going back to going back to sportsmen, you know, that, that whole sort of 
area. I read a book on um, Alex Ferguson and how he sort of came up with his career and, and some of the some of the tactics and the culture and the empowering people of his career. You could really see that adapted into business. So I think you know sometimes they are a good mo- model to look at when you're looking at empowering people. And um, I think this may be a silly question, uh, but I'm going to ask it. <laughs> how do you measure culture and the success of it? All right. So. Um... This would take us six months of a course. Um, but there, so there are four foundations in culture and about six characteristics that we always look for. And what you do is you, when you analyze a culture, you stand back and look for if those exist. And if so, how well do they exist? You know, are they a little bit or they're all the way in? So, for example, um, one of the most important ones is does, does a culture have a superordinate need? Oh, sounds a bit complicated very psychology does it have a reason to be yeah so for example most businesses sort of fall down on the fact well it's profit well that's not a motivator making money is not a motivator to a whole organization and what i mean by that it's you need to have something where um it's it's what we do or die by so for mm-hmm. example if you're working with a military team you know, it, it, the fact they do know if they don't work together as a team, they're, they're probably not going to survive. Yeah. So it's what is the overall, you know, what's our overall reason to be? And then each individual within that organisation has to be able to know what they do that contributes and matters to that. Um, and as I said, I could go on, but those are two fundamental ones. And it's really interesting to see when you work with most organisations, they've no one can tell you what they really are there to do you know what is their value to society and therefore what is their value to other people and their value needs to have something beyond you know we earn money for shareholders right because that's not no one can emotionally attach to that right it doesn't make you want to get out of bed and the fact that you'll go oh well i'm paid and they'll go yeah but that keeps the roof over my head, which is why I keep doing it. But it still feels very empty. It still feels yeah. like there's nothing here that really I can um, attach to. Fabulous. So interesting, Ginny. And, I, you know, I could speak to you all day about this topic. And I know it's, you know, you love talking about this too. Um, so, you know, I'd like to close the call by saying thank you so much for, um, you know, the brief chat I've had this morning. It's been very interesting and I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Thank you. You have a great day. And if you find yourself doing stuff unconsciously, stop. Think why and go, is it this just a program or am I choosing actively to do this because I want to? Fabulous. Thank you very much. Take care. Thank you. Bye bye.